Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Harvest Belante shares how she drove from California to Norfolk, Virginia, and what happened in between. It's 2009, and I am 30 years old, living in Orange County, California. So, a uh, little bit of background about myself. I actually didn't grow up in Orange County, but I am a California native. I grew up in the desert of California, a little place called Murrieta, part of the Inland Empire, if anyone's familiar with it. Um, we boast the meth production capital of the country, so <laughs> that's, that's pretty much our claim to fame. I was living in Orange County, though, having, um, professionally speaking, I had two degrees under my belt at this time, but I wasn't really using them. I was uh, working by day as a substitute teacher slash reading specialist. By night, I was working at Trader Joe's, and I give a shout out because I have some Trader Joe's people here. And uh, woo! <laughs> and uh, so professionally, not so much doing what I had planned to be doing at, at 30. Um, financially. Definitely not in the right frame of mind. I was in dire straits. I was dodging creditors pretty much full time. I had not budgeted what little money I actually made in California, and that's a huge mistake when you're a starving student for most of your life. So I was getting called and harassed all the time by creditors, and it was a very stressful time in my life. Um, Personally speaking, I was also not doing so well. I had, if anyone's ever been to a point where you've kind of dated or you feel like you've dated everyone in your <laughs> surrounding community, <laughs> that, that, that was about where I was at. And, and I know my friends always think I'm exaggerating about this. I'm actually not. And I can tell you this for, for fact. Uh, right about this time period, my friends and I used to go after work, we would head down to this one club and we'd go dancing and so I'm down there one night, and I'm dancing, and I, I kind of lock eyes right away with this really hot guy, and I'm just like, ooh, and, and he's looking at me, and I'm just, it's the, you feel the vibe, and, and he starts making his way over, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is, is going to be a good night. So he's kind of making his way through the crowd and comes up, and he just comes right up to me and just kind of sweeps in and starts dancing. So, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm dancing, having a good time. It's loud in the club, so I think he's going to, you know, try to introduce himself, but um, he does the next best thing. He leans in and just shoves his tongue right down my throat. And, um, okay, and I know some of you are like, scoundrel, this is, uh, this is terrible, <laughs> terrible. But you have to remember, okay, so I'm 30 years old. I can, I can take care of myself. And we, we might have different moral codes. My moral code at the time was, you know, if a hot stranger shoves his tongue down your throat, you simply accept and say, you know, thank you. You just, you go with it. So, so, uh, so that's kind of where I was at. I was, I was trying very hard to be the cool, casual California girl. So, so we're dancing and making out and um, he, uh, the, the song ends, so he kind of takes my hand and he leads me out to the patio area and I'm just, you know, again with like the bad budgeting, in my head I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, I shouldn't have charged it but this push-up bra is paying for itself tonight. This is, <laughs> this is really good and um, I'm just excited to find out who this guy is and we get out there and he, you know, it's quiet and he finally turns to me and he says, Harvest, uh, so are you still teaching? And, <laughs> yes, holy shit, I have no recollection who this person is. He definitely remembers me and even knows my profession, but I don't know who he is. So when I say to you guys I have dated everyone in the current county of Orange, 
that's really not an exaggeration. It's like you kind of, you, you got to the end of the CD and we were back at track one. So <laughs> we're like, we're right back there. So uh, personally, professionally, financially, things not going so hot for me at this point. And uh, I think the clincher was when uh, that same year I got into two car accidents 10 days apart. They were basically identical accidents. Two people um, weren't paying attention, blew right through the, the intersection that we were going in, and they, they driver's side T-boned me and uh, mangled my poor little car that I had had since 1996. And I don't know if anyone's ever been through accidents like this where your car is totaled and where people think that you should be dead. Um, I've actually been through three of them, and knock on wood, no more. But um, each of these accidents, 10 days apart, I, I walked away with apart from a destroyed car with, with no damage, no physical damage to myself, just some aches and pains. And that's a really interesting place to get to mentally where you are feeling, if you're kind of obsessive, compulsive, overthinker like myself anyways, you're now really pondering the big issues of, you know, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and why am I here and why do I keep surviving these things? I was having a lot of trouble with that. And there was a book, in fact, that I often would reference. It's, uh, I was an English major, so I read a lot of Saul Bellow. And there was a passage that I had underlined myself. It was, uh, thus I had once again the conviction that I filled a place in existence that should properly be filled by someone else. And that was a passage that had always hit home to me, but it sort of became a mantra at this point. It was like I was reading that and internalizing it and thinking of it constantly, and it was um, a knot in my stomach and a shortness of breath every time that I would think of this because I just simply was not in the right place. And uh, one day I was at work at Trader Joe's, and I saw a blurb in our bulletin that said, here we grow again. In essence, it said we are going to Virginia Beach. And if you want to transfer, make this phone call. I took about an hour or two Googling Virginia Beach, which was a place I had never heard of before, and, and checking on Craigslist. I kind of like to do that when I research things. And I went, okay, rent looks cheaper, and it still has the word beach in it. That looks fun. Okay. I picked up the phone, and for whatever reason, I, I talked to the captain, and I said, would you take a transfer? He said, yes, but we would need you to be here in three weeks. And I hung up the phone, I, or I said, sure, no problem, and I hung up the phone. <laughs> and I got back on Craigslist, and I just began listing every single thing that I owned for sale and set out east. So for me, just to, I want to hit on a couple quick points. That was a little background of, of where I was at in my life. A little bit about my, uh, my road trip. I can't obviously cover the entire country for you tonight. But um, basically, we're talking about me with an atlas. Uh, I, do not, I don't really believe in, in smartphones nor GPS. So it, it was me making my way through the country with, G, or with, a, with an atlas. And kind of my technique was about every half day or so, I would figure out where I thought I was going to get to that day, and I would just pull over and, um, you know, get online and book a hotel. So a couple highlights that I just want to tell everybody about. First and foremost, has anyone ever been to Dragoon, Arizona? By show of hands. <laughs> no. What a surprise. Okay. Well, if you're out in the middle of Highway 10, which goes for miles and miles of nothing, what happens is you start getting bombarded with these billboards. And all of the billboards, they're kind of, it's like billboard foreplay. They are promising bigger and better things at this exit for Dragoon, 
Arizona. So it says, um, best burger in town. Uh, clean restrooms. That's kind of the one that got me the most. Um, you know, that's how I roll on a road trip. Um, the uh, you know cheapest gas. And next to each billboard, it says, see the thing. And it's scrawled in this like horror movie writing. So I'm like, all right. So I mean, I'm in by this point. You know, okay, what is the thing? I, I can't wait to find out. So I pull off at this exit. And just to describe to you guys, it's basically the, the exit I think makes up the entire town. So I go to the restroom, I get my gas, I don't have a burger, but um, I walk into the gift shop. And the gift shop, in the very back of the gift shop, is a door that just says, the thing, and entrance to the thing, a dollar. Okay, I have a dollar. Hand the guy the dollar. Go back to the back. You walk through this door, and in the back, you're, you're now on the flip side of all these buildings that are, that are strung together, and there's a cement pathway, and there are Bigfoot paws printed on the cement, and it says, follow the Bigfoot paws to buildings one, two, and three. Okay. So I go to building one. Uh, disappointment. Building one looks like everybody, I say that, you know, in quotes, in Dragoon, Arizona, got together, cleaned out their garages, and just made sort of a junk, uh, an antique display. So like there's an old cup and an old spoon, and they've got these exhibited as though they're antiques. And I'm like, okay, this, this is stupid. This is nothing. So not excited after I leave building one. Don't worry, building two more than makes up for it. You walk into building two, and what I can describe to you is basically about the size from here to this wall is a freestanding steel cage, and you can walk up to the cage, and you're kind of looking into the cage, and you see all these um, wooden figurines that are positioned various ways. Some are, are hanging, others are being stretched out, some are being whipped, they're all very garishly painted with bright colors and really like childlike carving. And the mark on the top, the, there's a plaque that says, um, this exhibit of ancient methods of torture through the ages is the only one of its kind. Each piece is sculpted from a solid piece of wood and represents many thousands of dollars. Ralph Gallagher. Okay, so first I'm thinking, <laughs> worth a dollar right? By, this is worth a dollar. This is great. So I start taking my pictures. Um, the, the second thing I'm thinking, of course, is, hey, the meth capital production of the country doesn't seem so bad of a place to grow up anymore, because I could have been neighbors with Ralph as he was out sculpting his, his torture fleet in the front yard. So... I'm like, okay, this is fucking great. So I, I'm taking all these pictures. I, by this time, my dollar is well spent, but I leave to go to, to building three. And um, building three is interesting. It's more of the same. It's a lot of junk also laid out. But this is the funny thing. So you walk in, and just sitting there in the middle of the room is a coffin. And the coffin has a, a piece of glass over the top of it and a skeleton inside. Now, you don't know whether this is a live, or I mean, well, not live, a real skeleton or a fake, obviously. And there's no mark on it. I think what they're counting on is that you're supposed to kind of freak out and go, oh, it's the thing, you know, and get scared. I, I don't know. It was just more interesting than anything. Um, you don't know whether it's one of Ralph's early victims. Who knows? <laughs> All you do know is that if you called the authorities to investigate, 
you would have to spend more time in Dragoon, Arizona. So you're like, I'm, I'm out of here. And I got back on the road just like anyone else would. Um, I saw a couple other interesting things. I went to the world's largest crater. I saw friends. I went to the Oil Museum of Texas. Um, I meant to go to Graceland when I was in Memphis. But I got waylaid. One, one t quick road trip tip for you is that if you are ever looking at Super 8 motels and they're a mile apart from each other, but there's a $16 difference between both of them, there's a reason. And um, so I was cheap and I was taking the $16 cheaper one. Um, as I drove out to the ravine that the hotel perched upon in the middle of nowhere that looked straight out of a horror movie, my overactive imagination was in full gear at this point. I was certain that the local band of thugs were like were working with the hotel manager, especially when he assigned me a room at the very end building of the hotel. I'm like, shit. He's he's calling them and he's like, okay, I've got you know I've got a girl. You can <laughs> rape and murder her in the middle of the room in the middle of the night. And I'm this is what's happening to me. I'm on panic level ten by the time. I get into the hotel room. I am barricading the door with furniture. And then I realize I'm hungry, so I'm like, okay, damn it. I, all right, I'm not leaving the room, but I'm going to call for a pizza. I hang up the phone, and then I'm like, shit, the pizza guy is probably part of the local thugs. Like, he's probably <laughs> one of the ones that scopes these people out. So, so I, I got creative, actually. I give myself some credit. And so I quick turned on the shower. And so when the pizza guy showed up, I was like, honey, don't worry. I've got it. I'll, I'll get the pizza, you know. I was smart. That was smart. I threw money at the guy and just rebarricaded the door. So I'm just like, I know I'm not going to sleep a lot tonight, but I just, I got to try to just, you know, just think of other things. So, um, I didn't sleep a lot that night. I was actually interrupted by a band of thugs. Um, however, they weren't there to rape and kill me. They were there to have an orgy next door to me in the room. And uh, I, I reasoned that it becomes an orgy when, because I, I could hear the distinct voices. I mean, you, you, you know, you can hear the, the non-committal grunts and kind of know, oh, that's a new voice. Okay, that's someone new. Um, and I was like, I'm lying there in bed going, okay, three, you know, three is a threesome, four is couples swinging. So I think, right, if we're over four, we're at an orgy. And I, I had counted at least seven. So it was, uh, yeah, it was good. So, I mean... <laughs> entertaining, um, but, but not the night I had in mind. Um, so, so definitely spring for that extra $16. When I, when I left the next morning, I was just, I was pissed. I'm packing my, my car and actually I saw one of the guys waiting out, um, smoking a cigarette, looking, looking spent, um, outside of the room. And I'm just, so I'm like shooting him as much side eye as I can. Cause I'm like, I'm really mad at you, you know? And, um, I know what you're thinking. And he said, Harvest, are you still teaching? No. Um, no. no. That would have been brilliant. But um, So I get the hell out of Memphis. Um, again, I don't have time to go through the entire country with you. But uh, suffice it to say, to give you a little bit of just an update of where I am now, seven years later, I did arrive in Virginia Beach. And um, professionally, I am actually doing things with my degrees. It's pretty exciting. I have three jobs. I just I can't stop taking more jobs. But um, I love them all, and I'm actually doing interesting things that I enjoy. There's definitely still more room to grow, but but it's a good thing. And. Um, um, financially, I worked my ass off with three jobs over the last few years, and so I've got my credit back in good shape. I even bought a little slice of the oceanfront last year, so my first house was able to do that. 
And um, so I'm almost like a local now. I consider myself uh, semi-local. Um, eh, personally, you know, I, ha I don't think I've dated everyone here yet because I have been still so busy with working. Uh, I'm definitely getting there, but um, I think it's, it's not as bad, though. One thing that resonates with me is that, you know, uh, I've realized I'm not the cool casual girl. I I'm not necessarily that girl that, that just makes out with random strangers, and that's okay. Eventually, someone will like the obsessive, compulsive, overthinker girl, and that'll work. Um, until then, I have awesome friends who are single, and we're all in the same boat, so uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm in good company. Um, overall, I, I didn't know really kind of what my purpose was with this story, and I thought about it. Would I, would I tell you all, yes, you know, when your life is shit, just run away from it? I, I don't think that's the message necessarily, even though it worked for me. Um, what, what I do know is that when I told people I was leaving, I said to them one thing that I, I know still stays with me, which is that none of my decisions are permanent. I knew if I hated it, I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm cemented to any decision I'm making, and nor should anybody. You can change. You can come back. You can get back on a plane or back in a car and go elsewhere. And that really stayed with me. And the other thing that was interesting is uh, last year when I did move into my house, I was unpacking my books, and I happened to pull out that Saul Bellow book. And it occurred to me that I haven't opened that book for about four years. I, I hadn't even really touched it. I mean, it was there on the shelf. But, And when I read the passage, because of course I flipped open to it, it, it had a different feeling for me. It was more a reminiscence and a nostalgia of that time in my life, but it didn't bring with it the, the gut-wrenching pain or the anxiety of, of or shortness of breath. And so what I know is that, for me, I'm, I'm still an adventurer by heart. That's just my nature. But I think from now on, things that I'm doing in my life will be hopefully brought upon by a genuine sense of excitement and curiosity as opposed to just needing to escape and get the hell away from my problems. And so if that's not liberation, I don't know what is. And I thank you for listening. That was Harvest Belante sharing a story based on the theme of the night, Liberation. If you'd like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit TellMeMoreLive.org. That's TellMeMoreLive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, submission, and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.